Barad's, this episode is sponsored by HelloFresh, the easiest way to eat healthy, fresh, homemade meals no matter how much or little time you have or how well you know your way around the kitchen. When you cook using HelloFresh, all you have to do is pick what looks good to you off of their 50-item menu each week. That is so many options to choose from. And once you decide, HelloFresh will deliver pre-portioned, partially prepared organic ingredients and super simple recipe cards. Just follow the instructions, and in less time than it would take you to place a delivery order, you can have a nutritious dinner ready to eat. Oh my god, last night I had their miso sesame shrimp, and it was delicious. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Chatty16 and use code Chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash Chatty16 and use code Chatty16 for up to 16 free meals and three extra free gifts. And welcome Another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Good morning. Good morning, Broads. I have a question for you. Yes. Were you a Tumblr girl? Okay, so I was a little bit older. I'm 33, Broads, if you don't know already. So I was a little... Jess is geriatric. <laughs> I'm geriatric at this point. <laughs> I was a little out of that age demo. But I did sneakily participate in it as an older... Did you? Like, boring... Because I thought it was so cool. Uh, but then I also felt, like, weirdly older on there. But I loved it. My sister was obsessed. Were you a Tumblr girl? No, not at all. Really? I was not at all. Mm-mm. <sighs> I was well, a little overwhelmed. I was a little overwhelmed. I was always more of an Instagram, Facebook girl, but my sister was obsessed. And we have a, today our guest, we have a certified Tumblr Yes, girl. the origins of <laughs> Eileen <laughs> Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, can you give a better bio about yourself than <laughs> us calling you a Tumblr girl? I think you probably can. Um, yeah, hi, um, I'm Eileen. <laughs> Eileen, I guess like nowadays in my career, I kind of go as like, call myself like a sex educator. Now I do like men- mental health podcast host myself yes. um, of a show called Going Mental, which I'm sure we'll get into, but kind of just an internet persona, internet girl. Yeah. So, how, I'd love to hear all of your origin story too. And kind of like how, how old are you? I'm 26. Okay. Okay. Cool. We're How old are apart. you? 27. Okay. Yeah. I am um, the geriatric one. <laughs> <laughs> When's your birthday? In August. Okay. Are you Virgo? I'm, I'm a Leo. A Leo. A Leo okay. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you can tell though. With I was going to say, I was like, I'm getting big more Leo energy, but you know. <laughs> Okay, Broads, before we get to know the amazing Eileen Kelly, I wanted to say if there's one thing that's true about me, it's that I will always sign up for a free trial to get access to a streaming service, a program, an app, whatever. And I will also always forget about it and end up getting charged after the trial runs out, which is why I recently signed up for Truebill. I'm obsessed. It helps me get a handle on those pesky auto renewal subscriptions Oh my lord, Truebill helps you keep track and understand how much money is going to which subscriptions and easily cancels the ones you no longer need. I am saving so much money since I started to use Truebill. Keyword there is easily. No more hunting through 20 pages of a website to find the cancel button. Oh my god, let Truebill handle it instead. You can just sit back and see how much money you save. It's as simple as that. 
Don't fall for subscription scams and start canceling today at truebill.com slash chatty. Go now, truebill.com slash chatty. It could literally save you thousands a year. That's truebill.com slash chatty. Um, so yeah, should I jump right into yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. Tell okay. us. yes. Tell so us. I'm I'm from Seattle, Washington originally, but I grew up in like a really Catholic conservative bubble in this extremely liberal city. So it was this really strange juxtaposition. And going to Catholic school sucked. I hated my high school. Were and you like, were you like an all girls Catholic school or were no, you? No, it was co-ed. Okay. I didn't have a uniform. I had a uniform when I was like in middle school and grade school. It was a little more relaxed when I got to high school, but I would say it was pretty sexist. I also mm. went to a really sports oriented school. Oh, okay. So like in order to feel like you had any community, you had to do a sport and I didn't. So I kind of felt like a little bit on the outskirts Mm -hmm. in high school, especially early high school. And I actually danced like very intensely until Mm. I was 16, like seven days a week, three hours every day, like almost professional level. And then I stopped kind of on the brink of like, I decided I don't want to do this professionally. So now is the time to stop. So I would say my, yeah, my kind of identity in early high school was like, okay, I'm not maybe finding my community in person at my high school. So let me go home and like go online mm-hmm. and meet some community online. And that's really what I did. I talked to and became friends with people in my age group, like literally across the country, people that I stayed in touch with, people that I met in person when I moved to New York after high school. So that's kind of my internet origin story. I became this Tumblr girl and I would write about relationships, not so much sex, but more like feminine health, like getting my period, actually maybe Mm. like losing my virginity, like stuff like that. And I would just share my life really openly. Was that like anonymous? No. So you never started out doing it anonymously at all. You're always like, did that make you scared? Like, were you ever nervous that no, no, because no. honestly, I also grew up with a single dad mm. in like a household full of boys. So I felt like any information like, you know, I had the Catholic school working against me and I had growing up in a house full of boys working against me. So I'm like any information I want to know about my body. I really had to like do the research or go talk to friends or ask my friends, moms. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was always kind of that mentality, that person. So it didn't bother me to talk about it openly. So when did you kind of start gaining like where especially being like that young and kind of like earlier on the Internet? When does it go from you're just talking into the void to suddenly like, wait, there are like people who are following me are keeping up on like what I'm writing and are having like there's a lot of people actually are who are having this Internet connection with me. Like when was there kind of like a shift at any point? No, it was honestly early on. Like I would say I started talking, you know, about like very openly, like I said, and then I would say it spread to my high school, maybe other high schools around Seattle Uh and then kind of just went from there and it became kind of like a domino effect. And then my Tumblr translated like directly into Instagram because Instagram didn't even like really exist when I first started my Tumblr. Yeah. Like like I would say I was like a junior. Yeah. 2013, 2012, like was when 
Instagram launched. Uh And so a lot of my Tumblr followers then came over to Instagram. And then when I moved to New York, I went to college. It like really started to kind of gain traction there. And but it was really this random organic thing. It wasn't like I woke up one day and had hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh-huh. Like it really progressed over like a couple of years. How did that shape your identity? Like, okay, so I was on The Bachelor and I had a very opposite experience where The Bachelor season aired and it was like overnight, all of a sudden there's a bazillion people that I don't know that I can interact with and that can give their input on me and my life and all of that. So on the flip side, you having sort of an organic growth and following and also being young when you started it, how do you feel like that shaped your identity moving into adulthood? And I'm assuming receiving criticism, all of the internet kind of shit. How did that kind of shape who you turned into as an adult? I mean, it's hard to answer that question because I'm like, I don't know anything differently, you know? Yeah. But I feel like because it happened pretty young it just felt maybe like I could imagine gaining kind of the traction that I have like all at once or now that I'm 26 years old I think it would probably affect me more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. honestly because it's coming all at once I feel like when I was younger it's it's like I was so naive to it it almost was just like okay this is what life is throwing at me Mm. like I guess I'm going to talk to people online. And also back then there was, it's so, it's so saturated now. There's so many people with millions of followers, Uh but back then it was like a really small pool of people that had a lot of followers. Yeah. Like even a lot of the YouTubers, like I knew some of those girls who are like huge on YouTube. Yeah. Um, way back in the day when they were starting out, they used to have these YouTube conventions in like New Jersey that I would go to with my friends. And it was just so crazy. And to see how much it's grown, like in the past decade, it's, it's like mind blowing. Did you receive a lot of criticism at all? Like in your first few years and like, how did you kind of deal with that? Um, I don't think I, I didn't have that much criticism when I was on Tumblr really. Uh But on Instagram, when I was first starting out, I had this like viral article written about me in the New York Post when I first started my website, my blog. Yes. And it was this, oh man, it's this horrible, horrible story. But they essentially wrote like, I'm trying to even remember the headline, but it was something along the lines of, I like take. I turn on like older men Whoa. and like, that's my identity online Whoa. or like I make older, older men. Like, I don't know. It was just this like really derogatory oh sexist yeah. article. And I was Weird. super young. I was 19 oh. and it like blew up and everyone I, I know or everyone I knew was like texting me being like, what the fuck? My dad saw it. And like that to me was kind of, the first influx of really negative criticism from people I didn't know who were like, who the fuck reads the New York post? Like older people. Right. They weren't people who were like in your community. These are outside voices all of a sudden having some say. Yeah. And like older people who are like, who's parenting this girl? Like, you know, and it was just so horrendous. And that was 
kind of my first experience of like getting slapped in the face Mm. with online criticism. And it honestly, it really hurt my self-esteem and it was, it's scary to put yourself out there. But I feel like at this point at 26 years old, like I know what I do for work. I know that I deeply care about it. Like I don't really care about people's opinions who don't matter to me in my day-to-day life, you know? Mm. Obviously, if someone's like listening to my podcast and they're like, hey, could you improve on this? Or here's a suggestion. I'm so open to like feedback. But in terms of like random criticism, like I I try not to let it get to me. Obviously, it's easier said than done. Yep, 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 yep. yep. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so how did that... So on Tumblr, you said you were just kind of talking about your just kind of experiences with your body and like not, and maybe just like sexual wellness, like not necessarily like sexuality. And then kind of where'd you go from there? So you moved to New York, you said out of high school. Yes. So I always knew I was like, I need to go to New York. I need to get out of Seattle. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just always felt like I never really fit in. And that sounds so kind of cheesy, but it's true. Like I would come home like my freshman year of high school and like want to run home and like go on my computer to like Mm -hmm. talk to my Tumblr friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I moved to New York and I went to the news. I went to college here and right away I kind of realized, okay, maybe I could take this Tumblr thing and like turn it into a real blog, a real website, like a career. And that's kind of what I did. I met this guy at NYU who was like a coder and knew how to build websites. And he was like, let me build you one. And just like, like I said, the super organic random, like it just fell in my lap and he built me a website and I would just write about like, okay, I got an IUD put in and like Uh all these articles about myself. And really quickly I realized, okay, I'm sharing such a narrow perspective. Yeah, sure. sure. And so then what happened there? Yeah. So then I would ask like my friends who were on school at the time, hey, would you want to write an article about like what kind of birth control you're on? Or I don't know, that one night stand you had last week. And it just, it kind of grew from there. At one point, I had over a hundred people writing for me at wow. one time. Yeah. Oh my God. I had like an office and so You're like, take that New York post. Bye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had like a whole world. team. We were doing merchandise. I had a sex podcast like many, many years ago called mm-hmm. Pillow Talk that I actually stopped. Um, and yeah, so I would go and speak at schools and do a lot of sex, sexual health and sex education work actually. So I do a lot of work with Planned Parenthood. I did this program where my team and I would go and help teach sex ed to middle school girls at yeah. this um, public high school, or sorry, public middle school in New York That's City. That's fun. Wow. Did you like yeah. doing that? Yeah, I loved it. It was just so nice. Like, obviously, when you exist in an online or like, you know, on the internet, on the phone, it's nice to actually go in and like see to be able to do some like tangible work where you're really seeing how it's affecting someone's life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. firsthand. I'm really curious just from like a business standpoint, I'm assuming if you said this was years ago, sorry, my nose is all funky. Mm. Were you like 2021? Mm. I start, okay, let's see. It is, it's 2022. I started my website when I was 20 in 2016. So I don't know. What was I? 19. Yeah. Okay. So then my follow up question with that is like, 
how did you navigate like having a team, having an office, having merch, all that stuff from a business aspect? Like, did you get fucked over? How were you able to manage all of that? And like stay, I mean, that's, that's a lot. And that's that's a a big opportunity for people to take advantage of you also. Yeah. So 19, I started the website, but like I said, probably for that year, I wrote everything myself and like, you know, I'm managing, like I wasn't managing anyone. I'm, I'm just running a blog by myself. Um, I was still in school at this point and I was working like a retail job (laughs) and yeah. And then (laughs) from there, like maybe it took me two years for it to like really gain traction. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get this small office. I used to work in a WeWork Mm -hmm. and so I was 21, but yeah, I definitely had a lot of people like, sorry, can you hear that siren? Should I pause yeah. for a second? No, it's no, okay. It's, it's okay. You're in okay. New York. This is I know, I'm like, I live on a big avenue. In yeah. <laughs> okay, broads, quick pause. So I'm at that age in life where all of my friends either have kids, are thinking about having kids, or are trying to decide if they ever want kids at all. And to that I say, information is your best friend. When it comes to family planning, it seems like we were always taught what to do to prevent pregnancy, but I don't know about you all. My high school sex ed class left out the entire section about how to properly understand the options you have and planning for your future. But that's fine because modern fertility does just that thanks to their at-home fertility tests. I think everyone should have access to their own fertility health information. But like before modern fertility, literally the only way you could get it was from a doctor's office and they would charge they can charge hundreds, if not over a thousand dollars, but not anymore because modern fertility is an easy and more affordable way to test your fertility hormones right at home. You just complete the test with a simple, simple finger prick. You can mail it back with the prepaid, prepaid label, and you will have your personalized results in just 10 days. It's all so very quick. Modern fertility will give you insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have, and so many other important fertility factors that can help you make the right decision for you and your family. If you want kids today, someday, or maybe not at all, modern fertility will help you make the most informed decision. And it's so convenient too. And right now, modern fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com chatty. And that means your test is only going to cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even a thousand dollars it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash chatty. That's modernfertility.com slash chatty. Broads, I am so excited to talk with you about this company, this product. It has been a game changer for me. If you've been listening to this podcast at all over the past few years, you know my struggles with thinning hair and that I had tried so many products, so many different avenues to try to get my hair to grow. Nothing. It just wasn't working for me until about six, seven months ago, I started using Vegamore. There's a reason that I've been growing my pixie cut out. It's because I'm actually able to grow my hair out now since I've been using Vegamore. Oh my gosh, I love Vegamore. Uh, they have the clean, holistic approach to healthier hair. I use them. Really works. Um, I know Jess uses both the Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner, and I use the Grow Serum, and I also absolutely love, 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 love their dry shampoo because it doesn't have a bunch of nasty ingredients and like artificial fragrances and it's really hard to find that um but anyway for all their products you just use it as you normally would after your shower you massage a drop full of serum into your scalp and you're done um 
you just use the shampoo and conditioner in the shower as you normally would. Uh, it's super fast, but it's also super effective. And honestly, that's the best part and why I've personally been able to keep incorporating Vegamore into my routine. It's so easy. Just one extra step, not a whole new routine of products. I've tried things that have been a whole routine of products and I just... I can't keep up with it. And Vegamore makes it so simple. And of course, Vegamore products are all 100% vegan, cruelty-free, and never contain any parabens or hormones. You'll get that beautiful, healthy hair without any harmful chemicals. So we've been using Vegamore. We love it. You're going to love it too. You can start your journey to longer, fuller-looking hair when you go to vegamore.com slash chatty and use code chatty to save 20% off your first order. That is V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash chatty. Uh, code chatty to save 20% off when you go to vegamore.com slash chatty. Anyways, sorry, where was I? <laughs> uh, um, business standpoint, yeah. which yes. which actually I'm really happy that you asked me that because I feel like I never get asked about that side of things in interviews. And I feel like I've learned so much <laughs> and like from yeah. good and bad experience. Um, so I hired at one point, I hired kind of like a, a business, what would I call her? Like um, a business advisor type of sure. thing. Mm -hmm. She was working at a really big magazine in New York um, or like media company. And so it was kind of just like a part-time freelance position, but she would like meet with me once a week. And, and I feel like she talked a lot of out of her ass to be honest yeah, yeah yeah and like would make these big promises and then like never really follow through oh it sounds and like a typical uh <laughs> yeah typical yeah. manager slash advisor yeah I feel like I just got kind of swindled and like now at yeah. 26 if if I met someone like that who wasn't delivering um I would know how to handle it and also cut it off a lot faster. Mm -hmm. I was so anxious and so nervous to essentially like fire her, say like our working relationship isn't mm -hmm. working anymore mm -hmm. that I let it go on for like so long, mm -hmm. like embarrassingly long. Yeah. And I would just have like full panic, it, like debilitating anxiety of like, I know that this person doesn't have my best interests in mind, but I don't know how to have that conversation. And like, I'm also scared, like, will it affect my other work relationships right. will she try to like you don't know people are fucking sabotage, crazy yeah, totally. like yeah, yeah. she's gonna try to sabotage me she knows all the ins and outs right. of my business and she did bring like some positive things she taught me like how to do a brand book and like certain right. things she learned from this online magazine she worked at so like if you ever if you ever hire a new employee they know exactly like what the company is mm -hmm. like and mm -hmm especially for someone who works on Instagram or YouTube, like what kind of graphics, like you put it all together in this deck. So she like helped me create tangible things that were really helpful. But also I felt like, honestly, I felt like we would take these meetings and she would almost act as if the meeting was for her, if that makes mm. sense. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually I did, <laughs> I did a branded shoot once. I, I, sorry, I don't mean to talk. No, shit. obviously no. I'm not, I'm not naming this person. No, so like it's there's so no anonymous. <laughs> We're all good. 
But one time I did this branded shoot for a huge fashion brand and they said, oh, we want to shoot you and your team. So I was like, this is such a fun opportunity, but they were only paying me. They weren't paying the team. Mm -hmm. And so I did this shoot and then she posted it on Instagram, but she only posted solo shots of her and then tagged (laughs) saying thank you to this brand for like having me do this shoot Uh as if they paid her. But the deal went through me and I I was the one like you were the one 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 that brought brought her in too. So it was a lot of like that kind of false. (laughs) Oh, God. Posturing. Yeah. False posturing. And I think you run into that a lot in the media Uh, or entertainment industry, like all the time. So that's something I didn't know how to navigate when I was younger and also was eye opening just to see how people will like talk out of their ass and like make a lot of promises. So you just have to be like careful who you trust. Thank goodness. Um, I feel like financially I've always been pretty smart and good about that. And have never like suffered big losses financially Mm -hmm. of like someone taking advantage, like even a friend of mine who runs like this huge podcast, she like didn't own her IP. Right, right, right for a while. And that was like a huge headache. So just like making sure, and these are things no one talks about and no one teaches no. you, but like owning your IP is so important. So like for right. my podcast, like I set it up my, sorry, my old podcast, I set it up with this random production company that I literally used in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then when I started my new podcast and I like transferred names, I couldn't access anything on Apple or Spotify because I didn't have the IP information. Right, 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 Thank right. goodness they were still in fucking business and mm-hmm. they were so sweet and they transferred me the IP. But if they didn't, I would have been screwed. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And sorry for anyone listening who like doesn't really understand what we're talking about. But like the IP is like you're kind of the I don't know. How would you explain it? Like. You just like you, I would say, do you just like own everything, like all of the content? Yeah. I guess that's the way I would just It's like where it. the content exists online. Yes. So it's where literally it like this like ghost thing yes. just on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, and that's where you can drop the episodes, remove the episodes. Like that's where the power lies. Right. And the power to make money too. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason I asked is, and, and, and what's interesting is I don't even think it has to do with being young and dumb either. I just think it's like something that people don't talk about. And even if you entered the field as like a 45 year old, I mean, you'd probably have better skills on how to navigate uncomfortable situations like firing someone and that kind of thing. But like, I've just seen um, like friends, moms get into business now that all the kids are out of the house and they used to be stay at home moms and like kind of learning all the same things for the first time. But as a much older person and learning that a lot of people don't keep their promises, you're going to have to follow through because they're going to talk, like you said, talk out of their ass. And I've seen it across the board with my boyfriend as a small business owner, like contractor. There's always going to be people. And it's kind of shocking how many people will just screw you over Mm -hmm. like and also my dad actually taught me this um no one will ever care as much about your business as you do nope like you could hire every manager in the world every agent but like you have to treat it like it's your fucking baby Mm -hmm. and that is like the most important thing so like if you're not showing up every day and you're not putting 100 percent in you can't expect anyone else to and well, I think that was such good advice and mm-hmm. also like it's not uh just what you're talking about I totally resonated with of like not uh wanting to fire her one because of the very valid fear of sabotage but also this kind of 
I think it's a very like a thing we run into a lot as women of this fear of like rocking the boat and this fear, fear of like conflict or confrontation, even though it's not personal, it's just business. It's this person isn't here to be your friend. It's not here to like, you know, go out to lunch with with this is a person you're paying to do something for you. And I think that that's really hard to get into your head as like a female business owner. Absolutely. And also just like the fact that now everyone has a platform to voice their grievances, you know, like if someone did want to sabotage you, they, and you see it all the time it's with easy. big businesses of like, mm-hmm. not to say I would, I wasn't behind the walls. So I don't really know how these businesses were ran and they could very well have been and probably were like toxic work environments, sure. but faced big backlash, big scandal because their employees went online and, you know, voiced these grievances and were Mm -hmm. able to kind of lift the veil, which is awesome because I do think now there's transparency. Right. But when you're like a really small team and that's fucking scary. And you are able, people are able to say totally baseless things and it's, and people people don't fact check. No, they like like to hear shit. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's like, no, it's really walking this tightrope. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Well, especially when then your business too is putting your very personal experiences out into the world. Mm -hmm. So not only like, is that then what you do? It's like, yeah, the team, your team around you is aware of like very personal things about you. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, I, so I used to do, well, actually I still do. I make merchandise and clothing and that's a big way of how I actually fund all a lot of other projects that we do is through the merch is like the revenue stream. Mm -hmm. But when I used to, when I first made clothing, when I was 19, I literally shipped blanks. I ordered blanks myself. Yeah, Yeah. I shipped them to my apartment. I then physically took them like I carried a fucking huge box to this printer in Manhattan right, right. in yeah, the garment yeah. district. And then I remember I would like take the train, take it to Brooklyn to get the tag sewn in. Mm-hmm. Oh and then I shipped everything myself. Yeah. Like that's actually unheard of and like mm-hmm. so absurd in the light in, in the world of like merch, merch making. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, thank God, I work with a production company that like they do all the shipping for me. They do all the production. I just come up with the designs and it's like so nice so I can work on other things. But like I really started from the bottom right. in that way. And I had no one to kind of hold my hand or no one to tell me how to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yep. it's been an interesting learning experience. But even with the podcast, I ordered the, a book called podcasting for dummies like I literally have it on my shelf <laughs> yeah yeah okay so you so you started the old podcast pillow talk you have your you have at one point like a hundred people writing for you for that and um so so all of that and then where does life take you from then until now so life was just a little too crazy for me mm-hmm. because on top of you know running all of this stuff essentially kind of by myself. I obviously had a great team, but I'm, I'm not a manager. I'm like 21, 22. Like, I don't know how to tell people how to do like four people, how to do their right. schedules. Right. We had like a full-time graphic designer and a full-time editorial person and an amazing team of, of like awesome people. And I still have great relationships with them, but my mental health was just like really taking a beating during this time. Were you managing all of them? Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's what oh. I was really curious about as a business owner. I'm like, that is really like that is a, that is a that's a lot to handle. Yeah. And 
Um, I also used to go and speak at schools like all across right. the country. So I'm traveling, you know, I used to speak like at high schools that they, they would fly me to Los Angeles. Uh, I've spoken at different universities all across the East coast, like a ton of different stuff constantly. Like my schedule is crazy. Um, and I just honestly woke up one day and I was like, I literally just can't do this anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Like my anxiety Also, my personal life was really struggling at that point. I was in a really toxic relationship and I just felt like I couldn't get out of it. And I felt like it was very like almost intertwined with this work anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like I just I didn't know how to walk away from either thing. Yeah. And just taking on way too much. And honestly, I just kind of I had like a mental breakdown, essentially. Were you aware that this was going on in the months or years prior or did you feel like it it was kind of on the peripherals until it just like smacked you in the face. Like, is there any way that you were addressing any of that? I mean, I saw a therapist, but it it was really when work kind of started to get like super out of control. I just didn't know how to manage it. And I didn't, I don't think I had the best support in terms of my mental health. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I was seeing a random therapist, but I don't think she was looking back probably a a great fit for me or Mm -hmm. knew how to give me the tools to like, I don't know. It's kind of a rare, like someone who is working in media or entertainment mm-hmm. or maybe like entering that more fate fame route. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how do you, there's not yeah. like um, a guidebook for it. Yeah. It right. also seems like you needed someone to be able to practically feed in with advice too, and be like, you need to hire this person, this kind of person. And you don't know that shit. You, I, I we've dealt with this stuff too, where I'm like, uh, I need someone to do this stuff, but I don't even know what kind of person oh to hire to do that or where exactly. to even start. Like that alone is a big undertaking. Yeah. And like getting like I had full agents and I had right. a publicist and like you have all this stuff. So it's like on top of this, I'm going to an event on Friday night right. and then and and the public speaking. I hated public speaking. Mm. Like some people thrive up on a stage giving a motivational speech. I did it because I loved my cause and I really believe in like sexual health care and, you know, mental health. But it would debilitating anxiety, like wouldn't mm. sleep the night before mm. I t- would take beta blockers, like literally for my physiology. Like I feel like I'm not meant to do that, yeah. but I really pushed myself too far. Mm. Yeah. So essentially I took like a leave of absence from work for mental health reasons. And it was only supposed to be like a month, <laughs> just a month. Yeah. What was and your plan by the way, for just the month? Like were you, were you kind of panicking or like, were you just kind of like, fuck it all? No, no. I was like, you know, I'm going to I want to look into like group therapy or some kind of program. Yeah. But until I can find that, I need to just step away from work. Yeah. So like I don't want anything in my schedule. I hired or my editorial director. I told him, like, can you maintain the website and like Uh the Instagram and keep that running while I'm gone? And he was like, absolutely. Uh So he kind of almost took over my job just without the obviously public speaking and all the other stuff that I was doing. And, and one month turned into two months, turned into three months. And then I found this program that was a group therapy program in New York. And I enrolled in that and it was like five days a week of all day therapy. And I honestly felt worse. Mm. Interesting. Like I would go and I would sit with 
these people who are struggling with all different types of things. You know, some people are struggling with like bipolar or different mood disorders. Some people are just really anxious. Some people are depressed and can't get out of bed in the morning. And honestly, I felt like I'm the craziest person in here. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel worse in that way. Sure. And then I would come home and I was living alone at the time. And so I feel like I was able to be in a group all day long where I'm hearing other people's problems. And then I would have to go home and just be by myself with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then just kind of soak in hearing everyone's trauma and problems and just kind of sitting with that. In this time where you when you were taking this break, so you're doing the group therapy are you have you stepped away like completely from social media? Like, is the phone no. off? No, the phone was not off. And okay. that was actually a big problem. Yeah. And I'm also curious, what is the timeline here? So did you start the group therapy right at the beginning of the three months or after those three months? Like when when did that start? God, I'm trying to think maybe like May, June, like beginning of summer. I decided to step away for like a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. At this time, I'm trying to leave a really like toxic, honestly, like abusive relationship. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's like all of this stuff at the at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this group therapy and then I could come home and I could be on my phone 24 mm-hmm. seven. Mm-hmm. And I was in like a on and off relationship. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Instagram used to have that feature where you could like see what someone was liking. Oh, yes. Anyways, oh. I just had this I had this horrible hectic boyfriend that was just doing the most and like it really affected me so I could see what the fuck he was up to constantly thank god that feature is not there anymore I literally think that feature ruined my life for a bit yeah I'm not like I literally I partially I'm like that really aggravated obviously I'm bringing these mental health issues to the table like I'm not gonna blame Instagram for it but do I think it (laughs) aggravated Aggravated those a thousand percent. Oh, I fully resonate. I'm like, I, my husband, when he'd be like gone uh, for work, he'd be on the road sometimes. And I would sit on that like feature and just be waiting for him to like the wrong thing. So I could explode. And my anxiety was just through the roof waiting for that. It was so bad. Yeah. And that's just how I felt. So I would go to this group therapy and then I would come home and see that my ex-boyfriend's like, I don't know, just, you know, liking a million girls photos. And I'm like, oh, it's shit. Is he fucking her? But then mm-hmm. he's still like saying he loves me. And it was just like really manipulative and not not a good headspace. Mm. So I told the people at this program at Columbia and I said, I need a higher level of care. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, like actually the people at Columbia were great. But my current therapist at the time and even my dad were like, I don't think you, you don't seem to be doing that Mm. bad. And they Uh didn't mean it in a negative way, but I was very high functioning, um, a high functioning six person. Like I had been sick. I felt like for months and months and months. And yet I was still working my ass off. Uh Um, and I said, no, I know that I need this. Like I'm not doing, I'm not doing well and no career is worth how bad I feel. Yeah. Mm. So I applied to this program at McLean Hospital, which is like a psychiatric hospital in Boston. It's part of Harvard. And I got a call and they said, hey, we have an opening. Can you be here next week? Well, and you have how to, long you have, have you been in the group therapy? That's when you had been in it for three months? No, I did the group therapy probably for like one month. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
So I took like a a month or two months to kind of find, figure out where am I going to go? I was continuing just to see my normal therapist at this time. Mm -hmm. I went on medication. I went on Lexapro during Mm -hmm. that time before I did the group therapy. Mm -hmm. Then I start group therapy. I'm feeling even crazier. I need a higher level of care. I show up at McLean and I give them my phone and I had no phone for five months and I lived at the hospital for five months. Whoa. Yeah, I did an intensive residential program. So for, when you were going, when you said I, I have to go next week, you knew that you were signing up for five months. No, no. they <gasps> honestly trick you. And like, listen, I had the be- a really great experience. I don't regret going. Like, I think it's the best thing I've ever done for myself in my mm-hmm. entire life. Like, I'm very grateful to also have been able to afford that program. la di da di da But no, they say two month minimum. You have to go for 60 days. Whoa, they, that's a they, long Yeah, time. That's, that in itself is so I, long, So I knew I was signing up for two months. Then you get there and everyone's been there, like is discharging five, six months. Six months is the normal time frame. And then you usually stay in Boston and you go right into their outpatient program for another six months. Holy fuck. So people are moving to Boston. They're coming for a year. This yeah, I was saying like, like, who are these people that also don't have, are they all really wealthy? No. And honestly, they have like a scholarship program. Okay. Because it is like a really expensive out of pocket. Like it doesn't take insurance. Well, not to mention you're dipping out of your life for a year. So this is like it's called essentially an end of the road treatment. So these are people who have been in and out of treatment for 10 years. Nothing has worked, has, you know, been in and out of hospitals are so suicidal that like this really is like, okay, we're going to fucking take out a loan and hope that you're, this needs needs to happen. Yeah. 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 So a lot of people are being sent also on their, not on their own volition. So it's, you know, people's parents sending them saying like, you need to do this program one woman like her husband was like i want a divorce if you don't do this program yeah. like you i need you to like want to help yourself or i can't make this marriage work anymore yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and people are coming in with mostly actually like something i've learned about mental illness is that mental disorders actually tend to be comorbid. Right. I was even told at this program that to just to have one disorder, one, like I just have anxiety or I just have depression or just have bipolar is like a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Like, like people tend to actually have a crossover in multiple things. Yeah. But I would say for the most part, people in my program were struggling with similar issues. You know, there are people who didn't leave the house in over six months. Yeah. Like extremely agoraphobic. Yeah. Um, people with like anger issues, just like really everyone in the house just had difficulty managing their emotions. Mm -hmm. And it does, and maybe people had different emotions that were difficult to manage, but that's kind of the whole thing. And so you live in a house together for five months and it's, it's a, it's not at the hospital. It's not like girls interrupted okay. yeah, yeah. Where, you're, where you're like in a war <laughs> and I'm in a hospital gown. Like, yeah, it looks like a normal house. It's off the main campus. Like you would never know just driving by. You would think it's a house. And yeah, it's kind of like this last stop of like, can I make my life work? Mm-hmm. OK, so y- when you were in the group therapy, you said you kind of felt like the craziest person there. So when you're now in this situation, did you ever have imposter syndrome of like, I'm the most together here or not at all? I think when I first got there, oh, definitely there were moments I was like, holy shit, what did I sign up for? 
there are so many rules and regulations and going from living alone and like a seemingly pretty independent, healthy life. Like I couldn't walk alone at the grocery store. Like you have like you have to like gain all of these privileges is like how the program works. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, for my first two months, I had to literally have a chaperone at the grocery store. Whoa. What was the hardest part for you that maybe was unexpected if you can or an unexpected difficulty? I don't know if it was a difficulty, but I think it was unexpected how nice it was to not have a phone. Uh huh. Like to not have a phone, you would think like, oh, my God, that must have been horrible. Like, but it was so. I just felt like this, the greatest relief, mm-hmm. like no one's calling me to be like, I have to show up there at this time. Like I can really just take this time to focus on myself and my health and my needs and not have to think about like anything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, broads, one more quick pause. So I don't know about all of you, but when I go to the grocery store to pick up a bottle of wine for a dinner party, I typically just end up choosing the bottle with what I think is the cutest label because I don't know enough about wine. So I just use my visuals and I pick the cutest label on the bottle. And I would say 75% of the time I end up being disappointed. Okay. And that 75% is too much. I don't leave my wine up to fate anymore because I joined First Leaf Wine Club. So First Leaf is the perfect wine club for wine lovers who don't know a ton about what wines they like. Because First Leaf curates and ships wines that are personalized exactly to your taste. So it's a totally customizable wine club. Here's how it works. When you receive a wine, you rate the bottle on First Leaf, and then they take their algorithm and, paired with your notes, and they create an even more customized box the next time. So basically, the longer you're a member, the more personalized your boxes become. So you get to drink bottles you love, and you also discover new ones you didn't even know you loved. Yeah, for the longest time, I did not drink red wine. I just didn't like it, or... I thought I didn't like it, but First Leaf used my taste profile to send me bottles I might enjoy and never thought I would say this, but I am loving red wine now. I love these reds. I just needed to find the right ones, which I did with the help of my First Leaf Wine Club shipment. If you love finding and tasting new wine, First Leaf is a no-brainer. Just join today. You're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. That's a really good price because these are quality bottles of wine, and that's only about five bucks a bottle. Uh, just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. It's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty. So I've never, ever been a fan of tampons, like, at all. I know I'm not the only one who finds them uncomfortable, not that effective, and let's not forget about how horrible they are for the planet, Right. But there was one little problem. For so long, there wasn't another option. Period care was in desperate need of innovation, and that's exactly what Flex has done. Ah, yes. Flex has two amazing products with zero compromises. Uh, Flex period products are easy to use, they're body safe, and they're planet-friendly, and they're all made for all-day comfort, which is pretty much a game-changer. I always talk about the Flex Cup. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's zero waste. You can buy a Flex Cup once and use it for years. I have. But the real home run for me is you can put in the Flex Cup in the morning. You can wear it all day with no leaks. Um, No more trying to find a bathroom on a moment's notice desperately. No, the Flex Cup is the ultimate convenient period care product. Like, I mean, literally, you, you can put it in the morning. I usually don't have to change it at all until night when I'm, like, home. It's fabulous. 
And the other amazing product that Flex offers is my personal favorite, and that is the Flex Disc. It's not exactly a cup, but way better than a tampon. The easiest way to describe it is it sits flat inside of you and collects instead of absorbs, but it's so comfortable you can't even feel it. And it's the only product that lets you have mess-free period sex. So it's just a yes from me. Say goodbye to cramps, put sex back on the table, and you can also lend Mother Nature a hand. So go to flexfits.com slash chatty. Use code chatty for 20% off the Flex, flex Disc Starter Kit or get 10% off your first Flex Cup plus free U.S. shipping. So that's code chatty at flex, F-L-E-X, fits.com slash chatty, flexfits.com slash chatty. But I mean, obviously I miss my friends. I miss my family. I felt like I really had a life that I was leaving behind. There are some people in the program that I feel like maybe don't have have a lot of friends or, you know, had never worked a job and didn't have a lot that they were leaving behind. But I felt like I had this whole world that like I did really, I do love. And that was probably the most difficult for me. No visitors. Um, Your family can visit. Like my dad came for Christmas. Whoa. Um, but no, no Whoa. visitors really. And can't go in the outside world without a chaperone. Yeah. This is the worst pair. I know as I'm saying this that people are going to be like, Becca, what the fuck? This is the worst parallel. But it really <laughs> reminds me of filming The Bachelor, as crazy as that fucking sounds. It was like just thinking like I had a small taste of an extremely different experience, but with the same thing of having no phone, not, I don't, did you guys have like TV or access to news? Okay. So we weren't allowed to watch TV or like access to the news at all. And like when we were at the airport, a chaperone had to walk us to the bathroom. They had all of our passports, our credit cards. Like we couldn't leave the hotel when we were in other countries unless like a chaperone, it was a chaperone supervised like dinner with everyone. So (laughs) <laughs> not the same thing at all but as you're saying this i'm like oh like i can sort of imagine what that experience would be like i experienced it on a very different very different uh situation but like a month of having no phone no contact with family or friends like not being able to go out somewhere with someone holding your hand i i, I just remember and i wonder if you felt this way like i remember fantasizing about getting home so i could like drive my car with the windows down and like the and listen to music and just being like freedom no, literally just I all I wanted to do was like, I just want to lay in bed on a Sunday and not have to fucking like go to these activities like you don't make your own schedule and you yeah. have to stick to what whatever the fucking schedule is for five months. Like that's yeah. not normal. Like, <laughs> you know, I just want to like eat a lemon bar in bed and like veg out and watch TV. And I'm yeah. not allowed to do that. Yeah. OK, so what was the program like? And does yeah. it? I'm guessing it progresses throughout time. Yeah. So, you know, the people that were there when I first got there end up graduating and discharging and then they get new residents. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like I had two full groups my whole time I was there. Mm -hmm. And you are in class basically all day long. You're either in group therapy or a lot of psychoeducation is like a big part of the program. So there it's been studied and shown that the more someone knows about their disorder, illness, anxiety, like how it functions in your brain, then the greater rates of kind of remission. If you really Mm -hmm. understand what's going on with you, then that's, you know, you can fix it or work on it. Mm -hmm. Uh And you also have more motivation because you understand it. So that was a big part of it, which was 
Awesome. I mean, I'm getting taught by literally some of the top doctors in the entire world. They're all like professors at Harvard Medical School. And so I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And yeah, we have you have homework and like study hall. It's like a, a five month or six month course in like your own mental health. Wow. And then you see a therapist twice a week, your your normal therapist. You have to do family therapy once a week with your family. Whoa. How, okay. how, how did your family react to that? Were they like very willing and open to dive in with you or? I just did it with my dad okay. and I had never done family therapy with him before. And that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the entire program. Like mm. probably one of the parts where I felt like the most growth. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, had he because- ever done therapy at all before? No, I don't think he's ever done individual therapy. Okay. And I actually come from a family where like therapy is very kind of like. Eh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like yeah. not super talked about. Right. And so that was awesome. And just to have like a professional who knows me and is my family therapist be able to explain certain things to, mm. you know, an older person mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of like even explain to my dad what is anxiety and like, you know, this professional's explaining to him like what happens in my body or my brain when I'm having a panic attack. And right. I just felt like he really understands me on a much deeper level since since doing that. Oh, that's really cool. Do, are there people with addiction too, like struggling with addiction or, or no? No. So there's a bunch of different programs at McLean. You cannot have an active eating disorder in the specific program I did. Ah. You cannot have active addiction Ah. or like you can't be um, coming off of substances. Like you would have to do Uh a detox or go to like a rehab program before you could enter this program. Or like, for example, eating disorder, like you would have to go do treatment for that before you came to this program. Interesting. It is interesting. Huh. Okay. So and then at one point, do they, how is it decided when you can discharge? So you usually it's like the six month mark. So I entered the program before COVID and I left in the height of COVID. Oh, really? So that's like an interesting part oh, of my wow. specific story, because a lot of the like nice parts of the program that are just like little ads add-ons like going to the grocery store being able to go to the gym like doing outings on the weekends all of that stuff got taken away yeah of COVID. so you don't so, have that yeah and for the last part of the program you actually are supposed to get a job uh. like you get like bagging groceries or something just like locally and it's and it's a part-time job and the reason they do that is so that you can work with your therapist to kind of implement, okay, what's coming up for you and how can we help you in real life, in real life before we just discharge you into the world. And so that's a huge part of this program that I was looking forward to. Um, and that got taken away. So I didn't actually get experience that at all because we're part of a hospital. So the hospital regulations are really strict, Sure, obviously during COVID. So I ended up leaving a month early I spent five months there. You're supposed to spend six, but it's because that part of the program got nixed. And I was like, why, why would I stay and, you know, pay for another month? Like I should just go yeah. home and be with my family. Uh, so you, did you do the outpatient program at all? I did not. Uh-huh. So 
I ended up not doing that, but I still work with my same therapist, which is like the nice thing about COVID because we can do it over Zoom. Right. And, you know, my therapist lives in Boston, but I, so I continued with therapy once I left, but I was like, I'm not going to stay during COVID. Like you would continue that job usually while you're in the outpatient. That's kind of how they do it. So it's like a step down program. Right, right, right. And since that got taken away, I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this right now. So I didn't end up doing it. What was it like reacclimating back? I mean, after. But that's the interesting thing is that it was in COVID. I was just about to ask, like, I feel like that's such a unique experience because the whole world is now also on pause from their jobs. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And honestly, that was the greatest blessing for me when it came to COVID, because that was a lot of what I struggled with, with my anxiety and fear of like, holy shit, the world is moving on. Like my friends lives are like moving Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm, and I'm stuck on pause and I'm sitting in a hospital and you know, suddenly everyone was. Yeah. And then I got out and it's like, okay, literally everyone's at fucking home and they're not at their job. So it's kind of like we're on an even playing field and I I can take some time to figure out, okay, how do I want to get back to work and what do I want to do? And do I want to go back to what I was doing before? Do I want to pivot? And so I I allowed myself, I honestly got like a, a good, like five months to kind of really decide I moved back home and was living in Seattle with my dad after I discharged. And then I'm sure you were able to make the most of that COVID time in a way. Now having the tools to like know yourself and what you were struggling with that much better. Yeah. I mean, COVID didn't bother me in terms of that. And also like being alone during COVID or like sitting in the house. I'm like, I just sat in the house for five months. So I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I am curious. What was your relationship like with the other patients, other people who are being treated? And were there difficult? I mean, look, having a roommate in and of itself is difficult. Having housemates is difficult. It's one of the most difficult things I feel like you encounter when you go out into the world by yourself. Um, But then add in the fact that everyone is struggling with serious mental health issues. What was that like? Was there a lot of drama? Was there a need for uh, mediation? Yes. And yes. all was there people f- fucking? Was that what was all no. that like? No, no, no one was fucking. You're not allowed to fuck. You're not allowed <laughs> to drink. You're not allowed to do drugs. Right. Like it's right. really tight rules, and everyone has their own bedroom, so no one's sharing a okay. bedroom. Okay, but well, you share living bathrooms yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um. Honestly, like having had lived, having lived alone for so many years, I loved it. I felt like I'm in a sorority Mm. of like people who struggle with similar things. (laughs) And from that standpoint, like you almost feel like family and then you're in class all day together and, and you're talking about the most intimate details of your life, like your deepest fears, your darkest thoughts. Um, You're not hiding anything from Mm. anyone. So I really felt this connection to all the women, but there's definitely drama. I mean, you put women together living or living together in any house, of course, (laughs) there's going to be a drama. So there was a lot of funny stories and funny moments, but we also had normal moments like we would all watch a movie on Sunday night and we can cook dinner together and we bake cookies. And yeah. Do you have a favorite memory? Or like a memory you look back on and you smile and you're like, oh, that was really special. 
I think it's just nice. Like if you're not feeling good or you feel like depressed or sad, it was nice to like come downstairs Mm. and there's always someone there Mm. and, you know, you can like have a cup of tea and like chat with them. And, and for that, I feel like, I don't know if I'll ever get that experience back in the same way. Like, sure. Maybe one day I'll get married and like my husband will be downstairs, but like to really be living with people who really know the feeling, it's not just saying like, Hey, this is, let me try to explain it to you. Like, this is how I feel. They like really get it. Yeah. Was there a sense of loss then when you left? I think honestly, I was there for so long. I was so ready. Yeah. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. But I definitely have moments where like, I'll even talk about it with my therapist. Like, oh my gosh, I miss it sometimes. Like I really do. Like I, I mean, there are moments that it was so hard and I was like, Mm -hmm. get me the fuck out of here. What am I doing to myself? I can't believe I did this and I'm in this situation because there's such a loss of control and a Mm -hmm. loss of autonomy and that's hard. So what did you then shift in your life once? I mean, sure, COVID happened, but also a lot of what you were doing was digital. Yeah, I was saying I'm I'm thinking about all I can think about is the phone, you going for five months, zero phone to all of a sudden walking back into social t- media. And also a time connection. too where it was all the phone during COVID. All like virtual, that was, yeah. yeah. What was that like? So they actually, they actually, because my treatment specifically, I literally showed up and I was like, take my fucking phone away from yeah. me. Like it mm-hmm. gives me so much anxiety. And that was part of my treatment plan. There are some people who have their phones. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that was your choice. I mean, no, I think even if I wanted my phone, they would have met me and said, it's probably best for your mental health okay, for us right. to take your phone. And like, let's work on things without this external validation or external type of, mm-hmm. you know, noise. Um, but so they acclimated me to it for the last probably like couple of weeks. I was there when okay. I knew I was going to discharge like in a month. It was like almost like exposure therapy of like, okay, let's go on it for like, here, you can have your phone for like 30 minutes today. You can have your phone for an hour Whoa. today. Like see how it makes you feel. Does it give you anxiety? Is it bringing back like negative thoughts? And so they Did were helpful give you anxiety. That. Did it give you anxiety when they first gave it back to you? I mean, I don't know if you guys can relate, but when someone texts me, I always feel this anxiety to respond right away. Uh-huh. And like, or this anxiety of like, I don't want to be like liking things or posting on Instagram. Cause then my friend thinks I'm ignoring them, yeah. uh-huh. but yeah. it's like, I'm, but it's like, I swear I'm not ignoring you. I yeah. just like have so many things going yeah. on. Like right. I don't want to respond until I can yeah. like give it the attention. Right. So, like, right. Or even, right. if you, even if you don't have a lot of things going on, it's like, I'm just not in the space right now to be communicating. I'm just existing here. A hundred percent. But I feel like because everything exists on screens, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. People take it personal. Yeah. A yeah. lot of my fucking friends take it personal. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll, I'll get well, like immense anxiety of like, I don't want to upset you or disappoint you. So, right. so trying to have a healthier relationship with my phone, healthier boundaries with communication with friends was something I worked on. And so I felt like I had better tools when I, when they gave me my phone, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they made sure it wasn't just some free for all of like, you can't have any sugar or any like 
drugs for six months and then like let me give you a bag of cocaine you know yeah. like right here's right, right. 357 un- unread texts yeah. for you to yeah be yeah. bombarded by yeah did, did everyone know in your life when you when you went okay so there was no i actually also posted on instagram because okay. i was like i'm about to disappear for like a while mm-hmm. so like here's what's been like i wrote a really long thing i was like this is what i've been struggling with like I've been having debilitating anxiety. Like I haven't been eating. I've lost like a significant enough uh, amount of weight. Like I'm not functioning as Mm -hmm. healthily or like as a person should be. So I'm going away and this was a really difficult decision, but like I'll, I'll see you or say something when I'm on the other side. And and (laughs) I'll see you when I see you. (laughs) Yeah. And then six months later I posted and I was like, you know, I discharged a month ago or la la la. Whoa. Okay. So what did you change then in your life? Like, what are some really practical, like, you know, real tangible things? Well, one is I pivoted away. I mean, I still definitely am involved in sexual health, but I pivoted more towards mental health. Mm -hmm. And so I started a podcast during COVID when I got out called Going Mental with Eileen Kelly. And like the first episode I really talked about because no one knew really why I went away, the specifics. Like I had mm-hmm. posted kind of vaguely on the internet. And so I did this episode about like, okay, this is my story. This is really what I was struggling with in the day to day. This is why I went away. And then from there, I spoke to all different types of people about their mental health. And I think that's the one of the best parts of just even having this podcast is seeing how universal, like uh-huh. literally every person I've ever spoke to, like they could be on the opposite ends of like political spectrum or just have nothing in common, but they still both have had an experience with, you know, their mental health, their being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did you make that switch though away from like sexual wellness? Were you just kind of like over it or was, did you like, I didn't, cause that's kind of a big it. jump since that's sort of how you made your career initially. I mean, I feel like the two are really intertwined. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, walking, pivoting more towards mental health was still going to include a lot of sexual health, mm-hmm. but I just felt like this was how my journey and my life unfolded and I need to trust the process of it. And I needed to be kind of, I've always been very honest and open and vulnerable with my followers. And it just felt like, I don't know where life was taking me. Like, okay, this was a huge part of my life. Like I literally had a mental breakdown and and went away for a while and I'm going to, and that's who I am now Mm -hmm. or it's part of who I am. It's part of my story. Mm-hmm. I think it's so cool because it's like I feel like it's such a good example of not necessarily like obviously like you said there the two are very intertwined but not existing in this space where you're like this is who I am this is what my job is and this is what it's always going to look like like life is just like this fluid journey so you are where you are now like this is the experience that you had and being able to shift I feel like is such a great example of just when we're in those places in our lives, it's like, it doesn't have to stay in this stagnant spot. Like it's dynamic. And this is how I feel. And I'm sure I know, uh, like you were saying with the podcast, being able to share, I know since we've started the podcast, when I was able to, even though it was scary for the first time, when I was able to like talk about my mental health, there was a massive freedom, like this deep sigh all of a sudden that was really healing to me even though it's scary to put it out there that all of a sudden you're like, I said it and it's there. 
and now I'm hearing, like you said, all these other people who are like, same, <laughs> we're all in this similar position, even though, you know, it might look different. It's powerful. Yeah. And there's no, I, yeah, I just felt like I almost had to put myself out there to battle like some of the internal shame I felt Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. struggling with my mental health, with having to step away. Like I think with Instagram and social media, you're constantly bombarded with this picture of perfection online. Mm -hmm. And you're just seeing, you know, people's I don't know, all the amazing things they're doing and all their success is constantly coming and yeah. you're not really seeing like what's underneath that. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, okay, it's okay that I had this bump in the road and and it's okay to share that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I'm drowning from it. Like I really feel like I'm, I've climbed the mountain. I'm kind of on the mm. o- other side of it, mm. but it's, it's a, journey yeah not a destination (laughs) did you make any changes to the way or like any kind of hardline rules on the way that you interacted on social media with people no I wish I was better about that honestly um I think I've been good about boundaries with like my friends and just like Mm. communicating with those close to me for people online like maybe I just don't spend as much time on Instagram as I used to or but for dating, I've come out of the program with, I have hard rules about dating. Oh, I want to hear it. Yeah, that's, share those the fun rules. stuff. <laughs> um, I don't date anyone who's not in therapy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Already. No, that it doesn't have to be already, but someone who's like maybe really against it, I don't think I could date. Okay. And I like people who are working on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my most recent ex-boyfriend was not seeing a therapist when we first started dating. And then I helped him find one and he mm-hmm. still sees them oh, even cool. after like long after we broke up. Um, you're like, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> But I just, yeah, I want someone as a partner who's like progressing themselves Mm -hmm. and constantly growing and working on themselves. And so that's kind of just like this weird rule I've been trying to live by. And I feel like it's, I've been having more less toxic lovers. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. Okay, so that's one rule. Do you have any other ones or any other kind of boundaries that you do differently in dating? I feel like I communicate that I have these issues, which Mm. when I was younger, I felt like I would hide parts of myself or things that I would struggle with Mm. because I don't know, you're afraid, like, what if they don't want me or I'm not good enough or it's not lovable, like something that's lovable about me. And now I feel like I've really come into myself to learn to accept these parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And so like my first new boyfriend or partner after I discharged from the hospital, I was like really, really forthcoming of like, Hey, I struggle with these issues and this is how my anxiety tends to manifest in relationships and la 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 la. And kind of almost like a forewarning, (laughs) but also, but not in like a self deprecating way, just like Hey, this is what I, what I know that I need in a relationship. And like, if you can't give that to me, that's totally fine. But then like, we're not a good match Mm -hmm. because now at this age, like I know that these, there's certain things that I need to not get triggered or la la la. la. And so that's so good. I feel like, yeah, you're setting yourself up for success. You're setting your part, your 
uh, partner up for success as well. Like, hey, I'm going to give you a heads up about all of this mm-hmm. so that we can have an open line of communication. And no, I think yeah, that it doesn't so all good. just like come out as it's coming out, you know? <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like getting treatment helped all of your relationships, though, like with your family, with your friend like that? That's kind of what I'm hearing is it was a lot about you, but also a lot about the way that you're interacting with others. Yeah, I mean, it's like a behavioral health residential treatment program. So it's just like the most intensive therapy. Like think about you're seeing a therapist once a week. Like I'm seeing a therapist like every day for five months straight. (laughs) So like, you know, that's like five years of therapy combined into five months. Yeah. So that's what the, you know, like I came out of there with such a greater self-awareness. These are all my issues. These are where they come from. Biologically speaking, like this is what's going on in my brain when I'm having anxiety. This is the medications that worked for me that didn't work for me. And like so many things. Yeah, that's really cool. So what are you excited about that you're doing right now? I know you're starting the you did going mental. So that's like which a new is amazing. We're going to make sure to have that in the notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually about to start my new season and I'm working on another podcast. Actually, I'm right. Do I can't say too much. OK, okay. <laughs> I'm working on a yeah, another podcast. And I think eventually I want to get to the point where maybe I'm helping other people start podcasts or cool. kind of helping produce other people's shows. A podcast network. Yeah, we'll see. But I've been really enjoying the podcast world and been learning so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, kind of like every other thing that I've stuck my foot into. I feel like I like to kind of like jump full board and like immerse myself um let me see i just signed with a new agency cool that's exciting which i'm really excited because i got dumped by my old agency during covid (laughs) Mm, (sighs) the best of times (laughs) (laughs) which is another thing that like no one talks about um (laughs) the rejection Like, yeah, or not even the rejection, just like how that stuff works, like how do agents work, how do managers work, how do PR people work? Like if you don't have a family member in entertainment and that's not your wheelhouse, like I had no clue and no one who's in my family could tell. They were like, I don't fucking know. I don't even know what a publicist is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I remember when we were starting to sign certain things. I'm like looking at Becca going like, I have no idea what this means. Am I signing my life away? I'm not sure. That's like anyone listening, no matter what you're signing, make sure you have a trustworthy lawyer, not from the other party, <laughs> looking over the contract. <laughs> not their lawyer. A hundred percent. But these are things like no one talks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I sign, which I'm actually... I feel like it was really hard on me, like the first week, month when I got dumped because um, it was done in a really not nice way that hurt my feelings. Mm. And I had worked with them for years. But oh, this is giving me anxiety now. I'm like, my management is going <laughs> to dump me now. <laughs> Over the, but it's because I pivoted from sex to mental health. Oh, and they essentially right. told me like, hey, we signed up for the sex part and like we just don't understand the pivot to mental health and oh we don't want to continue on that was really the oh, thing yeah and so now i feel like i'm on the other side of it and like honestly my new representation of is so fucking bomb and so much more bomb. (laughs) Like literally, like I really took like 10 steps up. Nice. So 
And I didn't rush into anything. Like I gave myself literally like a year to like almost seven months to like sign with a new person. I was just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to let it come to me. I'm not going to go out and seek it. And so they like Mm -hmm. reached out to me and they were like, we're, we love what you're doing. We want to work with you. So I'm excited. Cool. So is that pretty much your main project? The podcasts or stuff right now? Yeah. So multiple podcasts and I do a merch line. So, and it's all about mental health. Plug that. So I'm continuing that and yeah, potentially doing some other little media things, kind of moving more. You guys do really great. You upload everything onto YouTube. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm trying to move things, but it's a lot of work. Oh my God. It really does become, it's like just so much added for me. It's just added equipment. Like you've got more stuff you've got anyway, but that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, it's just like a whole other thing to upload video too. Yeah. But, and just make sure it's like, you know, it matches the audio. If you edit it, yeah, yeah. people don't understand, like there's a lot of work that even I was getting shit like the other day. Cause I do like mental health merch mm-hmm. that yeah i put prescript different ssris yeah um on sweatshirts i love and it we're like i like where's the money from this going and i'm like are people do they not understand that a podcast's not free like you guys are <laughs> sitting in a studio right now like you have to rent the fucking studio for the you're hour like, it's like, going to me it's going to me and my projects that's where it's going yeah i'm like of course i'm taking that money and that's how i can make the podcast but like it, it's not just free like even this fucking microphone's like a hundred dollars yeah you know like these headphones yeah the shit costs it like it costs money like like it's an investment in our businesses and our mm-hmm. media little media empires yeah 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 when's your new podcast launching do you know or the new season or, no no no. but the new project the yeah. other project yeah um i'm just finishing some like logistical stuff so Ooh. honestly probably like a year let's be honest oh, okay, okay okay for that will be a far out because it's cool. like it's not just a talk show thing but cool. The interview show should be come out in the next, I'm hoping less than three months. Nice. But because I just changed like agencies and management and stuff, I'm like going through a lot of logistical changes behind the scenes before Mm -hmm. I'm going to start putting stuff out. I just want to have like all my ducks in a row. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Just another thing that I feel like I should have asked earlier. What advice would you have for someone who is, you know, maybe going through what you went through, feeling like they're at their wits end, like they're hitting a wall, mental health crisis, but maybe don't have the same access to resources. Like, I guess any encouragement or advice that you might have? Yeah, I think, like I said before, no career is no career, no success, no amount of money is worth like literally not wanting to be here tomorrow. Like, how Mm. can you even enjoy that stuff if you're like on the brink of depression or desperation so just reminding yourself and it's okay to step away it doesn't like make you less than or like a loser which I feel like some of us can get in that totally self-talk um loop so prioritizing yourself and yeah not everyone definitely not everyone has the means to step away for five months and I don't take that for granted but there's I think therapy is so much more accessible than it's ever been you know, you can literally do it on like apps. You can do it on zoom now. Like you can do it no matter where you are. You can also literally watch self-help YouTube videos or like YouTube, how to do CBT or dialectical behavioral therapy is a great one. You can like order workbooks on Amazon. And Mm. so 
like you just I've actually never thought about that before. You just like, have to yeah. get up and do the fucking work. Like only you. And it's like the same thing with addict or like addiction. Like someone will change only if they want to. So like if you want it bad enough, then I feel like and you put in the work like your life can can be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. OK, where can we find you on on the Internet? Okay, so the podcast is Going Mental with Eileen Kelly. It's everywhere you can find your podcast. You can find me at Eileen on Instagram and then at Killer and a Sweet Thing is like the business account, killerandasweetthing.com for sweatshirts, t-shirts, tank tops, all that sexy stuff. Cool. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for coming Thank on. Thank you so much, Eileen. We so appreciate it. We're going to put all that in the episode notes, broads. So, um, oh, if if the broads want to go if our listeners want to go and listen to one episode from going mental Ooh, that's good, that's what's the question. first one Ooh, maybe alex cooper from call her daddy mm-hmm. okay i feel like she doesn't really go on other people's shows often so mm-hmm. i felt like very lucky for her that she came on and we talk a lot of business and sex and Honestly, all of them are really intimate conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. I like Amanda Knox, too, is a great one. That's a great episode. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eileen. Thank you. Chat soon, bro. Chat soon.